back to another episode of It's Okay to Feel. I'm your host, Craig. With me as always, Steve. Yes, yes. <laughs> Here and ready to go. All right, well, it's time for the last and final phase of our um, trip from the Dromir Trail. Yep, and, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things you, you really don't, when you do something like this, you don't have any idea at all what you've gotten into. And, of course, once you've done it, then you know. And perhaps if you'd have known ahead of time how difficult it would be, maybe you wouldn't have done it. But the final step was the hardest, at least the hardest for me. So just to remind you guys, uh, I know it's been a little while, but we've been doing the series on self-care. And um, part of this series and something real important to our self-care has been um, hiking. And one of the big hikes we went on was called the John Muir Trail about four years ago. So Six. we've been, yeah, we've been recapping um, recapping our adventure on the trail and doing the positives and talking about how it's affected us and our mental health and um, me personally, how it's helped my journey. Um, so uh, before we get into that, how have you been? Great, great. We went uh, camping slash hiking this week in Idlewild and weren't quite prepared for the heat and the altitude, uh, but it was all, always nice to have family together for three days. Yeah, I was amazed for how much hiking we've done in the past. We haven't done a trip like that in a few years, and um, the altitude hit me right away. Yeah. I was getting winded pretty quick. And yeah. The heat wasn't helping at all. Right, and we were smart the way we did the John Muir Trail because we started in the north, which meant we started at the lower altitudes. And as we moved south, the altitude got greater and greater and greater. So we had a period of time to make the adjustment. And here we went straight to 6,000 feet with nothing done preliminarily. And I, I think we all felt the altitude. So uh, we were there two nights, three days. Out in San Jacinto, yeah, um, right next to Idlewild, which Idlewild is a great town. I enjoyed walking through that town. It's a cute little mountain town, touristy town. Um, yeah, it was nice to get out there for a little bit and be amongst the trees. Right. And hot. It was about 91 in Beaumont, which is at the bottom of the mountain. And then by the time you get up to Idlewild, the temperature has dropped 10 or 15 degrees, but it's still plenty warm. Um, and there's a lot of people who go up there, apparently, for weekends. We'd never been there before, and so we really didn't quite know what to expect. But it's a beautiful little town. I'd encourage anyone that can to go, just check it out. Um, so... I think last time we ended with Guitar Lake, which is just at the base of Mount Whitney. Right, um, the north on the north side. And of course they call it Guitar Lake because it's shaped like a guitar. You're not aware of that at all when you're camping next to Guitar Lake. But as you start to make the climb up Mount Whitney and look back on Guitar Lake, it does indeed look like a guitar. And I went swimming in Guitar Lake. It was cold. Yeah. Cold. It was about, what, 10,000 feet up? Guitar Lake is? I'm not sure. I'm not um, sure. And so you'd think 
it's a nice hot sunny day it feels you know 70s and outside and you jump in the water at that altitude and you realize oh that's just about above freezing yeah enough to get in and get out real quick so we are hanging out uh around guitar lake we camped a little farther down from that and hiked into guitar lake and the plan was to camp there for the night and then the next morning wake up early and go to the top of mount whitney well of course as we're relaxing at guitar lake and swimming a storm comes in you know full clouds it looks like we're gonna get stuck for a couple days and we hit this uh point where either we're going to go up there and try to beat the storm or we're going to stay down here and you know kind of camp it out so i think just before the sun went down we decided you know we're going to pack up our stuff and we're going to try to get up to the top and you know make it before the storm happens yeah now you have to understand that this trail going to the top is a very narrow trail you know it's certainly not something you'd ride even a bicycle on and on your right you're looking down into the canyon below at very steep. I don't know how much the falls are, but a thousand feet at least. And you're, we, we were hiking in the early evening and sweating like we were in a sauna. It was hard work up this trail. And uh, the, the first interesting thing that I encountered was just by chance, the day that we went up was the day preceding a full moon. So you're looking down into this canyon to your right, and the moon is coming up on your left, and the shadow on the far side of the canyon is dropping from high down to low as the, as the moon comes up. And then the sun is going down on the other side of the canyon, and so on that side, you can see the shadow coming up the side of the canyon you're on, and you could feel, first time I've ever been in a situation where you could kind of feel the full place of the earth between the sun and the moon, because obviously you have to have them both working in concert to be able to see those shadows, and I, I had never felt that before. And so we're, as we're hiking up, there's a place that you come to that's called Whitney Junction, and Whitney Junction is a place where several trails come together. One of them goes up to the top of Mount Whitney. One of them goes down to the south side of Whitney called Whitney Portal. And then the one that we were on, which was coming from Guitar Lake. And we got there about 9, 10.30, I guess, at night. Yeah. Well, let me stop you before. Sure. Because I wanted to talk more about the, the sunset and sunrise thing. Um, and the importance of it, um, you know, and, and one of the reasons why we went on this trip, you know, and for somebody that suffers from depression, anxiety, substance abuse, you know, there's a lot of feelings of hopelessness, you know, or a lot of detachment, a lot of, um, you know, not really knowing what's the point is, you know, at least from my personal experience. Um, and... You know, I don't even know if I could describe in the words the feeling that you get being in a situation where you're where you're watching the sunset on one side of this huge mountain and the moon rise on the other side and you're just taking in the beauty of it and you have no outside 
you know, real life problems going on because you're in the mountains. You've been in the mountains for three weeks and, you know, there's just a sense of peace and serenity that I don't think I've ever gotten outside of, you know, a moment like that. You know, maybe different, different moments give me different feelings, you know, that are equally as good, but nothing's done the same thing as the, the, when we're watching the sunrise go on one side and this moonrise on the other side, the sunset on one side and the moonrise on the other side. Um, you know, and I think at least for me is this is the, one of the main reasons why I wanted to bring up this whole trip in the first place. Cause there's so many times where I could look back at this trip and, you know, see the, the benefit of how this was helping my mental health, you know, how this was making me feel better or more confident as a person or more secure with my emotions or, you know, I could relate it to a a hundred different things, but all of it was positive, you know, and all it took was some planning in three weeks out of my, out of my life to go and experience this. Um, I don't think I can, you know, I don't, I think as far as somebody that's, you know, like me that has mental health conditions, you know, this trips like this was just uncomparable by far. Well, and and I I don't know what you thought when we first started, but I certainly didn't think it. We were leaving Tuolumne Meadows, and we're a quarter or half mile into the hike, which means, you know, we don't even have our shoes, our boots fully laced up. And you could just feel the stress dropping away, falling away. Um, And I didn't anticipate that, but... uh, I, I felt it in Tuolumne. I remember we got a GoPro, and we just got dropped off. We were waiting for dinner, you remember? And there's this creek on the back side of the restaurant. Restaurant's a loose term for it. It was a shack that's, yeah. <laughs> that had food. Um, and, you know, I'm just, I'm just blown away by taking videos and shots of the water running through the creek. It's just because of the way it made me feel. It was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're doing this right now. It's just so free and relaxing. And, you know, for me, especially at that time, I hadn't felt that way in years, years. Yeah. But continue with the, the junction story. So, so there's a place again where these three trails come together and it's about 1030 at night and I'm sweating like a pig and Craig says, well, Papa, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm not taking another step. This is as far as I'm going tonight. And so he said, well, let's, let's figure out a place we can put up the tent. Well, you have to understand that when you're nearly all the way up Mount Whitney, there's no grass, there's no sand. It's granite everywhere you look. So there's not any normal place to put up a tent. But what we finally did was we set up a tent in the, in the uh, junction hard against Mount Whitney and put rocks inside to hold the tent up because, again, there was nothing to drive a stake into. So the tent got set up. I got into my sleeping bag soaking wet. And you guys may or may not know that a really good down sleeping bag, you'll dry out. Uh, You won't stay wet unless, of course, you're wearing cotton or something like that. But if you're dressed correctly for the altitude in the mountains, you dry out in your sleeping bag. So I was drying out. And I fell asleep very quickly. And then Craig, 
in this other group that had been hiking with us, maybe four people. Yes, four. Went on up Mount Whitney because they wanted to be, as most people do, they wanted to be on the top of Mount Whitney when the sun came up. But I was in my sleeping bag at the uh, at the junction, and I fell asleep. And then it felt like somebody was yelling in my ear. And I thought, geez, there's no one here. How could that be? And then I realized that Craig and the group he was with weren't the only ones that wanted to see Whitney at sunrise. So they've got people hiking by the tent on the way to the top all night long. And if you've, you've, you've done much backpacking, you know these tents are like tissue paper thin. So it's a person doesn't have to say much to sound like they're yelling because they're right there. And I felt, then I fell back asleep and I slept until about 5.30. And so now I'm thinking my, one of my grandkids, uh, Craig's sister, is going to pick us up at Whitney Portal, which is at the bottom of Mount Whitney. She's going to pick us up at 11 o'clock. It's about 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the morning. It's three miles to the top of Mount Whitney, and of course then three miles back, and then six miles down to where Brittany is going to pick us up. And I'm thinking, should I go to the top or not? And I thought to myself, it didn't take, it didn't take me very long, <laughs> incidentally, but I thought to myself, you know, I don't care about getting to the top of Mount Whitney. The reason I'm doing this, Mount, getting to the top of Mount Whitney really wasn't even a part of my thinking. What I wanted to do was spend three weeks with my grandson, and I had done that. And it had nothing to do with getting to the top of Mount Whitney. Now, when I was 20 or 30, I might have fought to get to the top of Mount Whitney. But at, uh, in my late 60s, I realized that getting to the top is not the hard part. It's the journey that is the most refreshing. And I had the journey under my belt, and so I went straight down to Whitney uh, Portal. And uh, there was also a hamburger shack there. And the, probably the best cheeseburgers I've ever had in my life. And I think I'd eaten two of them before Craig and his group ever caught up with us. But uh, it was a, a great, and still is a great memory, uh, just just to remember it all. Yeah, and it wasn't easy after we dropped you off, too, at the when we put the tent down for you. Because um, I don't know if you guys remember from the last episode... Um, we ran out of food and well, there was a problem with our food cache. And so basically we had to grab whatever I could. And then I had to meet up with these guys. Um, so by the time we hit Mount Whitney, we were low on food and, um, we were hiking to the top. It was still about what? Five miles. I think it was three miles to the top, three miles to the top. And it's 10 o'clock at night now. We're going by full moonlight, and that's it. And this trail isn't easy. It's all rocks. It's not like little rocks. We're talking and jumping from boulder to boulder to boulder. Um, and we're excited to get to the top. You know, this has been three weeks in the running. Um, and I'm with four other hikers that we've been hiking with for a couple weeks now and knew pretty well. Um, and... We get to the top around, I don't know, midnight, and I'm telling you, it's 45, 50-mile-an-hour winds, freezing cold, zero uh, zero place to hide from the wind, 
you know, it's just flat rock up there and we're kind of, we're all getting hungry. So we bust out the last of our food and we try to cook it in this wind. Um, and then we finally piled some rocks up and we all huddled together and tried to get some sleep for a couple hours. And then nobody, we didn't need an alarm clock because like you said, there's other people up there. So around sunrise, right before it, um, you know, there's about 20, 25, 30 people up there getting ready. And we all woke up and we stayed in our sleeping bags and sat at the edge of Mount Whitney. And we're just staring at the sunrise, you know, and it's gorgeous. Perfect ending for sure. Perfect ending to this long trip. And um, after that, we all started hiking down and they took their time. I ran down because I was hungry. I wanted a hamburger too. <laughs> so I took my, I took off and started jogging down the mountain, um, which at the time was very normal for me. I don't think I get jogged down Mount Whitney like I used to. That's for sure, especially with a 50-pound pack on my back. Yeah. Needless to say, when I went down, I did not jog. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, we went down and got hamburgers and said bye to the people that we met, and um, Brittany drove us home. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, it, but it, the whole thing underscored the importance. Folks, it's the journey. It's not the destination. It's the journey. So you need to make sure you're enjoying it while you're making the journey because that's the most important part. Right, and I think that's why we wanted to share it with you guys because um, it's not like we're some kind of, you know, mountaineering, you know, adventurers that um, had been doing this our whole lives and we've been planning this trip for a long time. You know, it came out of nowhere. You know, we we heard about it through somebody else, and then we kind of looked at each other, and we're like, you know, should we go do this? You know, and it wasn't crazy expensive. It wasn't, um, you know, it didn't take a bunch of time out of our lives. It took three weeks to to uh, go on this trip. It probably took six months to plan it, but that wasn't, you know, intensive. It was just setting up the, the food and where to drop the food and the, the uh, routes and everything. And I remember leading up to it, it was I was a little nervous. You know, you don't really know what to expect. But I know the second day, once we were on it, it felt like second nature. You know, I didn't have to question anything. It wasn't like, oh, man, what are we going to do now? It was like, let's hike and see where we go and um, and get this thing done. And, you know, there was a couple pit stops that we talked about where we stopped in a town in Mammoth and in uh, Lake Edison, right? Yeah. And we slept in beds and we got real food and it wasn't like we we're, you know, living off the grid or anything. It was very doable. You know, it was a very doable um, adventure that we went on together. And the benefits of it, the outcome of it, the, um, you know, self-care and the uh, how much it helped my mental health and my... Um, substance use it helped us through a grief process of losing um our family members and you know it, it was a hundred percent worth the time to go do it just because you can't put a price or you know you can't put a price on what we did Men mentally emotionally and you don't have to hike 200 miles to do all of that 
there's a lot of other things that give you the same kind of opportunity. Catalina, obviously, is one, and it, it's close. Also inexpensive, and you can do it for much less than three weeks. Yeah, you don't have to hike at all. You know, you can find your own journey that makes you feel like we felt when we went on this, you know, and that's why we started this whole series. It's a series on self-care. Um, you know, self-care is the single most important thing that I do for myself every day to make sure that I'm going to be okay tomorrow, you know, and um, I know other people listening that suffer from mental health issues like I do, you know, we're not guaranteed what we're going to feel like tomorrow, you know, and we have to do everything in our power to, you know, try to have a good day or try to feel okay or try to make sure that we can wake up tomorrow and go to work or sleep tonight, you know, and, and through that um, is the importance of self-care and the importance of, you know, making sure we love ourselves and take care of ourselves and build ourselves up because nobody else is going to do that for us. I was just going to say, if you don't do it for yourself, it is not going to happen. You know, and it's a part of the recovery process. You know, there's other important parts. It's not like self-care is the only thing, but it should be on the top of the list. Just as much as taking your meds, just as much as doctor visits, you know, because you know, I, I don't know if I can say any more on it. You know, it's just no, so think, it's so important to I me. I think what you said is perfect. It's so important. Yeah. So we'll conclude our trip uh, up the or down the John Muir Trail, and uh, be looking forward to talking to you again soon. Uh, but take care of yourself, folks. And then I'm going to post um, my uh, NAMI email in with this episode. If you guys have any questions or want to reach out or, you know, have any suggestions or, you know, if you guys want to just post questions and we can put it on the next podcast, uh, we're very open to that. We want to hear from you guys. We want to know who's listening and where you guys are from and hear about your stories. So feel free to um, email me and I'll get back to you on that. Um, other than that thank you for listening yes and we'll talk to you guys next time yes godspeed